0: Welcome to Shooting It with Matt Langle I'm Matt Langle, men's basketball coach at Colgate University. Uh, appreciate all you out there taking the time to listen to this podcast uh, created to help me become better, better basketball coach, better man uh, through the conversations that I'm able to have with our guests. So enjoy it uh, like I do. And thanks again for taking the time to listen. Here we go. Thanks to all the listeners for checking back in. My apologies. Uh, Life on the recruiting trails in July, uh, followed directly by basketball camps of a a college coach, Uh, didn't allow me the chance to get back here uh, in our studios in Hamilton, New York at Colgate to record a podcast. Uh, But I'm super excited for today's uh, special guest, in my mind, a little bit different than coach and media as we've been going uh, Steve Spiro, a longtime friend who I, I met uh, during our time at Temple University together, uh, current head athletic trainer of Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, has taken time out of his busy day uh, to join us. Steve, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast.
1: Coach, it's great great to be with you, man, and great to obviously uh, you know reconnect a little bit in this in this form. So excited to talk to you.
0: Absolutely, uh, Steve. I, I kind of liken your um, your hard work leading to good fortune and opportunity to, um, you know, my good fortune and luck in many ways on a career path. You know, young college coaches reach out to me and say, "Hey, ha- I want to do what you did, like get to be a head Division One basketball coach at 34. How do I do it?" Uh, and the reality is, there is there is no recipe that I have. Uh, for me, it was good fortune and, and being a part of. Uh, a, a man and mentor's staff like Fran Dunphy and the success that those players had at Penn and Temple that afforded me ultimately the opportunity to get to be a head coach here. Uh, as I look at your career path, um, maybe a little bit different in that uh, at an early age, you, you maybe decided that athletic training was something that uh, you would like to pursue. Uh, I'd like to take you through you know the different steps that you made first and foremost, uh, the first stop as an undergrad, uh, your chance to work with some, you know, in your mind, in my mind, some iconic people uh, as an undergrad at Temple University, uh, the Moyer family uh, and Coach John Chaney specifically. If you would touch on the impact that they had and maybe shaping, shaping your career and, and how you got started in this path.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I think I was. I've been lucky, much. You know, like yourself, and you, 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 you know, really attribute some things to working out in in your favor, and you know, knowing that uh, you know both our fields are you know saturated with, with very, very good, qualified, skilled people to to do you know the jobs that we're that we're tax was doing. But I, I think you know my first step that was the right one was choosing you know the, the right school for for the program that I wanted and going for athletic training at, at Temple. Um, you know, I'm originally from Massachusetts, so the leap of faith a little bit to make to go away from home when a lot of my high school buddies and, and everybody from where I'm from you know, maybe stayed a little bit closer. Uh, and you know, maybe one of those reasons why I left to come to Philly was almost like a dare. You know, like, you won't go that far away from home, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know but you, know, you see everything, and, and it just feels right to you. Um, and you know, for four years being at Temple, you know, getting your undergraduate degree, um, you know, prepping yourself for for a national exam to be, to be a certified athletic trainer was was definitely something that that was motivating and, and you put first and foremost with with anything you know in your education and your training. And um, you know, those, those four years, you know, I, I loved Philly. It, it obviously quickly became a second home for me, with friends and in the program and, and the people that you kind of met along the way and. and you know, uh, my profession, at, you know, you're not a normal, you know, college student. You know, you kind of joke and say, you know, you, you, your, your classes are, are super early. You know, you're doing pretty much your internships and your hours throughout uh, throughout your four years, that's that's learning. Maybe when your other when your other buddies in college or you know get to do you know they, they can get to go to the gym or they can go get catch a movie or they can uh, you know go grab bites to eat together. But you're you know stuck doing something you know of course that you that you want to do, uh, but at the same p- point you know I mean it's it's you, know, you got to be committed to it and um, uh, but you're able to kind of work through those things and, and and it pays and it pays off. Uh, you know, from there, you know, going to you know the University of Miami for grad school, knowing that I was going to have to get a master's degree to be competitive and to kind of seek some of the jobs that that would be out there, um, you know, was kind of another right leap of faith to make uh, and, and go spend two years down at the University of Miami. And uh, at that time, in, in 2002 and in 2003, four, you know, we had a pretty good football team, uh, you know, at the time, and uh, Miami set up. And again it's it's kind of out there and publicized a little bit, but everybody's out of one building, and the facilities at the time for football, even though the program was amazing, didn't necessarily stack up against you know other other large state schools, you know, and even in Florida, Florida State, or Florida, or um you know even places like where I'm at now in Cleveland, where you know Ohio State. And, you know, but that was so great about that place was that everybody was in one building. You know, the football team was working out with, with soccer players, and they had baseball guys around, and the volleyball girls were around. And um, and it created such a camaraderie at that, at that school and that situation. And, and, and in those two years, I mean, the people now are starting to retire a little bit from, from, uh, from my time there. but uh, you know, it was, it's a, it's a who's who, you know, of who was, of who was there, you know, from your Willis McGahee's and Vince Wilforks and Jonathan Vilma's and, and, you know, uh, you know, Jeremy Shockey's, Kellen Winslow's of the world, Andre Johnson's of the world. I mean, it was really Frank Gore. You can, I mean, the list is just incredible with who you get to be around and knowing those guys are going to be playing on Sunday and just the high level atmosphere that, that was, that was incredible for me to be around. And, um, uh, you know, an experience, and, and you're hands-on, and you're doing, and, and it's not, you know, kind of sitting back and, and waiting. You're, you're kind of trying to grab the bull by the horns to, to do a lot of the work, you know, and, 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 and gain that experience and gain the trust of not, not the players, right, but the people that are in your profession, you know, that you can do the work and, and um, you know, be able to make those, those networking happen for yourself. Uh, and from there, uh, you know, I was lucky to leave grad school and get an internship with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and kind of really get my first taste in the professional, the professional sports world. and it was, That was in 2004, and I was kind of assigned to their AAA team in, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which was great for me because I was close to home, uh, you know, and getting, getting back there and be able to see family again after you know, a few years of being away. But, uh, again, you travel with a minor league baseball team, you'll, you'll see it all and do it all. Uh, you know, life in the minors, I mean, it's a true grind, and and uh, again, just something, another experience to kind of lay my lay my hat on. And baseball is what I originally thought I would want to get into. Uh, to you know, I just I love, and you know this, we've had many conversations <laughs> about uh, my my passion for the Red Sox. And you know, I apologize for anybody that's not a Sox fan, but uh, <laughs> I'm, one of those, I'm one of those people. Well, you uh, had to eat
0: crow a little bit when we were in Philadelphia and our Phillies, our Phillies. Uh took the it world by storm that's okay it
1: did yeah that was I, I thought the i thought it was collapsing around me when it when it <laughs> happened it was it was cool though of course i mean any you're around that and being in a city where that happens is is phenomenal but right. uh um, but, you know, that baseball experience, and that's what I thought I wanted to do, and it was a great experience for me. But at the time, there, you know, I'd have to kind of figure out what I wanted to do at the end of that season. And, um, you know, the Sox, is, is, you know, I, they liked the job I did, but at the same time, you know, there wasn't a, a position on staff within their system that was available. So it was kind of then trying to reach out to other organizations to see if, you know, you, you start in the low, low minors and you got to, you know, over time, hopefully work your way up. And uh, at that time, I knew, the, the men's basketball position at Temple was coming back open uh, for the athletic training position, and, and it was kind of a no-brainer for me. I mean, obviously, I love hoops, and, and I love college hoops, and, and you know, to get back to the alma mater where everybody was very familiar, where I had such pride in that program uh, with those people that are there, it was a no-brainer for me um, to kind of get my feet wet. And you know, here it is; I'm, I'm 24, I think, at the time. You know, and I, and to me, I mean, I obviously have a lot of pride in that program. So, you know, I feel it's one of the one of the, was one of the best programs in the country to to be a part of it at such a young age. And, and you have a Hall of Fame basketball coach that's there, and Coach Shaney, and um, you know, to kind of be, uh, you know, his guy. And from from that standpoint, it, it meant a lot to me to me personally. And uh, so it was really a, a no-brainer to go back and, and, and get back in the program that I came from. Uh, so, you know, being for – it was just Coach's last two years were, were, were my first two years there. And, you know, I mean – and you know Coach, of course, from, from your time in Philly and everything. I mean, he's such an incredible person and an inviting person and, uh, you know, made me feel very quickly a part of everything, which is all you ask for, I think, in somebody in my, my position from the medical side, you know, from the athletic training side. You, you want to be a part of something bigger. You, know, you want to be a part of a family. Um, and – you know you're you're in it with everybody you know on the on the daily grind and, and you take pride and like i said it's a lifestyle that you choose to to do it's not a job you know and and um you, you know it's it I me mean, it means more than that it's more than a job you know you, you've committed to it and um you know you you, you take pride in, in what it is that you're doing for that for that situation and coach was great to me and obviously had a lot of laughs and a lot of fun in those two years and and it Probably means nothing to nobody else other than myself, but I, I enjoy being able to say that I was, you know, his last athletic trainer, mm. uh, you know, as, as coach a, a, at Temple, and um, you know, just to kind of have a small, uh, you know, footprint in there for his for his great career is just means a lot to me, you, you know, and getting a chance to be around him and and learn from him and and, and hang with him, and uh, you know, sometimes I didn't want to quite hang as long with him on Christmas Day when we practices. <laughs> visit. Yeah, for 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 all day right I mean those are the the ones that uh are the are the elongated version I, I don't know what you do you know on Christmas day with your guys but, we take <laughs> off
0: we take <laughs> off do? yeah good
1: good good. <laughs> good but uh you know obviously we were we were there for the duration with Coach Cheney. I and mean, i remember I remember you know guys going to watch film and 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 they were watching a game. Uh, I think I think Texas was playing West Virginia, and I don't know what, you know, it was from earlier I think in the year, and, and the guys come out of the film room and they literally watched the whole game. And, and and I remember remember Marty Collins, you know, came out and shaking his head, and he's like, "My God!" He goes, "We don't play either of those teams, and we just watch the whole game, you know." <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, Coach loved basketball. He wanted guys to be together, you know, as a, as a family on Christmas, and that was the idea. And I understood that. And, and again, uh, I didn't mind being there at all. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that experience and being there for the world, uh, you know, because that's just again, you're you're a part of something. You know, larger than yourself, and 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 I thought that was 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 pretty was pretty special. So, a lot of stories from Coach, like everybody has, uh, you know, when they when they talk with him. And, um, you know, my my time at Temple with my, uh, uh, you know, group on the medical side. Uh, again, I, I couldn't learn from two greater people than, you know, you referenced the Moyers and and Dr. Ray Moyer and his wife Paige. You know, I mean, she was being you know such a, a hands-on person. You know, as you remember you know being a nurse and, and and having such a role with the guys and helping me you know treat and triage all kinds of problems that 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 you know arise during the course of 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 a kid season and in their academic year um, and you know they had done it and they're hall of famers too you know and and obviously at temple but they're they're just hall of fame people
0: Absolutely. And,
1: and and when you when you can learn from from someone like that and, and have that experience i mean they you know, our family to me, and, uh, you know, I can get pretty emotional about it pretty quickly because it's just, uh, you know, without them, you know, I don't know where, where you are, you know, uh, in your profession. I mean, they just supported myself to, to grow and to... Um you know, be a, a, a really good clinician and, and have that confidence and learn, you know, along the way. So, I mean, it, they're they're just an irreplaceable, uh, you know, component in my career. And it's, uh, I mean, and they are family. So it, you need those people in, in, in life and, and, and to find those people along the way. And I think no matter what profession you do, to, to be able to hold on to and lean on and, and have his support. And, and so, I mean, they're they're probably the, the two most influential people, you know, out of all the, Coaches and and, and uh, you know players that have come and go and people that I've seen and, and be great to met. I mean they're they're one and two at the list or just one and and one, <laughs> you know tied at tied at the top. So, um, and then for me, you know I worked six years and obviously with Coach Dump. You know his his first four years and your time when when you were at Temple and again, Coach is somebody who who I, I think just added on to, to my experience, you know, with, with Coach Cheney. And, you know, I think I was probably a little nervous, to be honest with you. You know, I don't sure. know if I've ever called him this or, or, or you this, but, uh, you know, just going through that idea of a coaching change and, and not knowing really what to expect and, uh, you know, having a, uh, a change of the guard. You, you know, when I, I think I was – you know, steadfast in, in knowing what was, what was Temple and what, what Coach's ways were. Um, and then with Coach Dump coming in and having, you know, his, his footprint, which was obviously, you know, tremendous, and, and having, um, you, you know, a great, uh, a great moment there in the years that I was there. And it's still obviously continuing, which is, which is awesome and uh and and coach dump someone that you know i i message and call frequently and it's it's a pleasure to kind of keep that with him too and that in that relationship i mean he's somebody who's you know if i ever had a question or an issue you know it's great to be able to give him a ring and 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 have his support too and you know we had a when we went back to Philly to play the Sixers, I mean, it was great to get back. And, you know, we walked campus and had a breakfast sandwich in the back at Richie's, <laughs> uh, you know, and just be able to talk shop. So, I mean, relationships in this profession are, are everything. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be with people that share your profession. You know, obviously sure. you have to be able to, you know, work across lines and, and, and realize, you know, what goals it is you're trying to, you know, what you're trying to achieve. And everybody's a part of it. Uh, and, and there's, you know, no – any one person is always, you know, right. If I, you know, went to you as a head coach and said, you know, player A has A, B, and C, and I lay down, you know, a, a, a strict line with things, I mean, that, that's not right. You know, much like if it wouldn't be right if you came to me and said, I want player A to, to do, you know, everything. There has to be a give and take, right? There has to be a, an understanding of what it is that I think from a basketball standpoint, you know, what you need as a, as a coach. Uh, from the player, and, and then medically, you know, giving given a certain situation, what they can give, and and, and what we kind of see, and you know, with our evaluations, and, and uh, you know, in our skill set, so um, it, it's it's um, you know, it can be very synonymous, which is which is a good thing because that that's what creates a program, I think, right. Uh-huh. Um,
0: no doubt about it, Steve. I, I, I find it interesting. Like, so you're, when you were at, at Miami, that football group and all of those names that you just mentioned, I mean, I, I think they played for the national championship or, or you know, were right yeah. there at the top at the time. And you had a chance to, you know, work for your dream organization, you know, albeit briefly with the Red Sox. And Uh, Ultimately, it sounds, you know, as you spend 10 minutes talking about your career path before you make the jump to join the Cavaliers organization, that the the most significant is the relationships with those people who, um, you know, could have directed your career or could have made your experience because of their positions as uh, as great or as miserable as, as possible. And in the Moyers and Coach Dunfey and Coach Cheney, what I'm hearing is um, that that inclusion, that confidence, that family feel uh, that they provided for you and continue to provide for you at this stage in your career kind of helps shape your confidence to be the best athletic trainer that you can be. Um was it hard to leave that environment to say, okay, now's the time I'm going to take a leap of faith and go uh, somewhere where I don't have any relationships, somewhere where it is ultimately, you know, business at the highest level in the NBA? Was that a, a difficult decision, and, and how did you ultimately make it?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it definitely was. I mean, to, to kind of close that that chapter, you know, and, and, you know, you know, my affinity for college hoops and and obviously the situation I came from, I mean, to kind of shut that door, not knowing what to expect coming to the professional level where everything, you know, is so volatile, uh, you know, as as you always read and, and see about professional sports and, um, you know, but I, I think it was it was the right time for me. It, but it was it was hard because you you you, you worked with something. Uh, you know, I think that was so special. And you know, you, you do get comfortable. Uh, sure. You know, but at the, same, at the same point, you know, you, you realize. I mean, again, I was um, you know 30 or so at the time, and uh, you know, trying to figure out what's next in my in my career, and that opportunity to go to the NBA. As the assistant athletic trainer at the time for with the Cavs, um, you know, kind of arose, and it's like you know you, you talk it over, of course, with everybody, and then you know people kind of again help help in, in in making not making the decision for you, of course, but showing you that support. Like, yes, this is something that you should do, and you right. deserve it, and you, and, and you need to kind of you know obviously we'd love to have you here, and we we want you here, but uh, we also want what's what's best for you, and if you think this is this is the right step for you. By all means, we're we're excited for you. So, having that you know blessing from those guys and and um, you, you know from Coach and and everybody and, and Doc and the people at Temple it was it, it was great. And you know to speak more on just the relationships and, and how I even you know landed the the, the gig here. I mean, it, it was through my, my good friend who was at Xavier at the time, men's basketball trainer, athletic trainer at Xavier, and now he's actually at University of Dayton, men, men's basketball, and uh, Mike Mulcahy, and, and he, he just randomly called me. And, and again, I have got to know Mike. I've actually just emailed him back and forth here today about something. But, uh, you know, he, he said, hey, I have a friend that's the head athletic trainer in the NBA, and, you know, he's got an assistant position open. And, you know, I just – he asked me if I had anybody in mind and if you – you know I hope you don't mind but I, I gave him your name thinking that you'd you know you'd be really really good for it and I said sure uh, and 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 all joking aside I mean I, I said I'm in my mind I'm like man I hope it's not Cleveland knowing he's in Ohio right Cause, <laughs> I mean literally they just you know Bron just had left for Miami right, at the right, time and right. you know knowing at least from a standpoint like a win and loss standpoint like you're saying oh, I hope it's not Cleveland I hope it's not Cleveland and then sure enough you know it's it, he said yeah with the Cleveland Cavaliers and but, but again, all of that aside, that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, and I said, you know, absolutely, and would love to engage and, and talk to them and, and see if it's the right fit. And you know, I, I'd never been to Cleveland, never, yet, you know, I mean, the place in Ohio. I think I've been to, of course, were Dayton and Xavier, sure. you know, and uh, you know, Cincinnati in and, and Dayton, Ohio, and that's probably about it. And uh, um, but you know, you kind of come on the interview, you see what it's about, you, you realize like, hey, this is something that I want to do, uh, and, and you get the job, and you kind of start down this road in professional basketball. and, uh, you know again was blessed that uh you know to be given the head athletic trainer's job after after three years when you know the organization made a change and um it, you know and it was a a probably the hardest professional day i've had was was that after after our third season you know and and it was the day after the season when when coach scott byron scott uh you know got got released and and some of the other coaches got released and you know, we're kind of all in the building, and this is my first experience dealing with that at right. a professional level. Right. Um, you know, somebody just kind of losing their job. And people who, again, you know, all that coaching staff and just unbelievable people. And, uh, you know, allowed you to have a seat at the table at, at this level. And, you know, you learn, obviously, everything that, that goes in, in professional basketball. Um the, you know the ins and outs of everything and 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 he was tremendous and so i again like it goes back to just being around great people each step of the way i've been i've been very lucky and uh but you know that day when they got when they got let go was was tough and and then later in the day you know our g m you know calls myself and a few others into into our film room and, and said that they had let go. The guy that hired me, our head athletic trainer and, right. and or our head strength coach, and um, you know, and you could just kind of see the change that was being made. And I mean, it was a very tough, you know, t- tough day. I mean, it really was like, how do you how do you handle that? You know, and and obviously there was still a job to do. And and you know, he preached confidence in me to 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 be here. And uh, you know, and I didn't know at the time I was going to get the head athletic trainer's job, but obviously it was something I would be interested in if if that was what they wanted. And and it, and it was able to work out. And um You know, and here
0: and here we are. But uh. I think the uh, as I look at your job, right? Whether you're a high school athletic trainer or or Division One, or you know maybe a small uh, non Division One school, or or even you know at the most high level that you're in a position, right? Your your job is always injury prevention, care for your athletes, and hopefully as 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 infrequently as possible, rehab those athletes, right? Um, but where you are now, um, there's there's certainly a business aspect to the whole thing. And you have ownership and management uh, and a coaching staff and then, a, like you said, a strength and conditioning staff. And then your medical staff, your doctors and your athletic trainers, it, the relationship um, – between all of those groups that you just touched on there and a, and a change of um, the people in those positions or, or who are all made these jobs as their livelihoods um, it, it makes it a different different dynamic how, how uh, is there is there a, a learning curve to that how has it been for you um, you know you've been on some really successful uh, teams and, and in college and in now in the professionals a world championship. Uh, does it does it correlate to the the groups that have those seamless relationships, uh, through those different areas, have the most success?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it it helps it helps you know your your just your team chemistry and when I say team, whether it be your medical staff team, right, or or it you know, obviously your your relationship in your in your team with the players involved and. Um, you know, it it, uh, it it is different, and it was difficult for me in the beginning. You know, when I first started as an assistant, again, how do you how do you talk to a professional athlete versus how do you talk to the college kid? Right. You know, and is which ways are you trying to, you know, get them to essentially do what needs to be done? Um, and obviously, realizing that these guys are, uh, you know, again, just to to be blunt, they're they're millionaires, right? And sure. and but. At the same point, you, you, you take all that out and, and, you know, it's not like we're ever talking, you know, salary in the training room or we're talking any of that stuff. I mean, it is it is business and it is, you know, a job to do for them at this level in terms of, of taking care of their bodies and, and, and playing basketball. And, uh, you know, these guys are all pros and, and you know, they, they want to make sure that they're at the top of their game because that is their livelihood. Um, you know, they've they've made it here and then they need to be able to stay here. Uh, and, you know from from the beginning, it was just kind of me treading those waters, trying to figure out all right how how do I communicate with these guys you know yeah. is there Is there a difference between communicating with the college guys um and you know what's their what's their motivation obviously you know there's no class to worry about here there's no other things to worry about, but for these guys i mean there's they're older you know obviously our team right now is older uh you know there's families there's wives there's kids sure. there's uh you know nobody's necessarily from you know Ohio uh, obviously besides braun but uh you know has moved back with his family here but i mean everybody's everybody's kind of you know uh, from from different areas so you know your your way to communicate with them uh you know Again, you have to be able to speak to speak. You have to know what you're doing. You know, you have to be confident in that and in developing those relationships with guys. And uh, the biggest thing that that I try to do is is to get that trust from the players that they realize that I'm I'm here for them. You know, and and uh, obviously we're, we're the goal is to win. And and for us specifically right now, the goal is to win championships while while the window is here for us. And. Um, you know, to get that trust from the guys, though, that look, you know, if, if we get a problem with the knee, we get a problem with the wrist or the whatever, you know, let's let's take care of it. You know, let's, you know, I'm not worried about, uh, you know, necessarily the game on Wednesday night or the game on Friday. Like, let's make sure we have our hand around this. And if you can make it about the players um, and their health and their well-being, you'll 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 be right by them, you know, and and they'll have that trust. And um, you know, there is a a, a line to walk because you realize who obviously, you know. Uh, who your, who your employer is. But, you know, the, our goals are synonymous. You know, I mean, management's goals and the players' goals, we're, we're all on the same page right now with what it is that we need to do uh, to win. And, um, you know, we've got a great coaching staff that understands that as well. So, you know, it's it's a grind of the season. You know what I mean? It's 82 games plus the playoffs. I mean, it is a – uh, you know, from all intents and purposes, mid-September. For us now it's been through June the last, the last uh, you know, three years. And, um, you, you know, you, you want to make sure these guys are looked after. And if you, if you have that as your number one priority, as it, as it should be, and someone in my role, then, then you know, guys will respect you guys. Will, you'll, you'll be able to uh, have great relationships with them, um, you know, on and off the floor and, uh, and can be successful.
0: Yeah, I'm curious because I have never been in your environment personally. Like, you know, I remember back at Temple when it came to a student-athlete's health, it was, um, you know, y- you were working with that young man uh, daily, hourly, right? You were communicating yep. directly with Coach Dunphy, the head coach, uh, and then the the medical staff, the doctors, and the Moyers were involved. That's like four people. Um, yeah. And-, and now in the NBA, as you look at, at-, at organizations and there's – you know, the analytical people who are monitoring, you know, minutes played and, um, sure. you know, what have you. And you have a large, large coaching staff and you have strength staffs that are strength and conditioning staffs that are more than one person. And you have, you know, your own staff and then there's doctors. And is it our lines of communication? Is it difficult? Does it take more time than, you know, say a little little shop like ours at Colgate where there's still only you know, four or five people involved in in one athlete's you know yeah. decision or, or healthcare or what have you. Does that take more time out of your day to make sure that everybody's on the same page as far as what's going on?
1: Yeah, I mean that that that's a lot of what it is that I'm that I'm doing in my role as head athletic trainer is is you know you're almost in like a manager's kind of role too. You know, you're you're making sure uh, or trying to make sure lines of communication are open amongst all amongst all parties. You know, I mean we've got. You know, our, our physical therapist on staff, you know, we've, we've got, uh, you know, a few other athletic trainers besides myself, um, you know, a couple of strength coaches, and obviously, like I said, our, our doctors. We've got, uh, you know, even down to our, our, our chef, you know, and, right. and wow. communicating with him and with our, um, you know, sports nutritionist that we that we bring in and consult with. Uh, there are so many different avenues that you're lucky to have at this level, you know, because of, uh, of the financial situation that's here, and we're able to, you know, uh, invest in, um, you know, some of the the, the nice things that, uh, you know, a lot of programs, obviously at the college level can't, you know, I mean, can't afford, right? And you can't, you don't have necessarily those resources with where you are, even geographically sometimes, and um, you know, for us, you know, my job is, is made, um, you know, really, or it's helpful to have the Cleveland Clinic, which is a top hospital in the country, right. you know, right in our, in our backyard with our team physicians, and uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a one stop shop for me, and it's the it's the huge fish in a in a small pond. You know, with the Cleveland Clinic, and uh, they're they're just tremendous. If if there's a specialty that's out there, chances are they have somebody who who wrote the book on how to treat it. You, right. you know, it's uh, so that 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 definitely helps. You know, me. You have a huge network. You know, there as well for resources that maybe you don't have your fingertips. uh... You know, on and and you know, we're we're really synonymous with the clinic, which is which is great. Um, and but yeah, you know you're trying to make sure everybody's on the on the same page with things. You know, on, on top of making sure you're you are hands on and you're you're keeping your craft and you're and you're involved in the you know the treatments with players and in managing those 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 situations. But you know, where at, at Temple. You know, it was like you said, and you're taking on the, the hats of of, of of many different roles, which I liked uh, and I enjoyed because that's also how you learn too. You know, right, right. Uh, you know you're, you're 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 lucky enough to have people help you do those things and. Um, and and that's that also what helps you know bring about a good program you know having having the right people in those places so you know one or two people aren't you know overloaded with everything because sometimes there's just obviously not enough time in the day to get things get things done that you want to get done.
0: Um, you, you make a good point about, uh, you know, I'll just call it the bells and whistles that, you know, an organization, yeah. like first-class organization like yours uh, and the Cleveland can use to maximize everything that they're doing. Um, you know, we're of a similar era and, you know, we, from a coaching perspective, you, we talk all the time about how the game has changed, right, like, you know, you guys play really fast and shoot a lot of three-point shots and, you know, the team you lost to in the championship, the, they've, you know, they, they're given a lot of credit for for changing the game and space and pace and all of these things, we look at your side of the house, and that you know again, you're you're not that old that you can say, oh, I, I grew up when, you know, we just you know rubbed some some icy hot on the <laughs> yeah. on it and yeah. said, get yeah. back out there. But the the reality is, so many things have changed. I I will be interesting in your perspective to talk about, you know, how, how that's made healthcare better for athletes and some of the things that, that you guys utilize that maybe, you know, some of our listeners at other small colleges or high school coaches or aren't aware of that maybe they could find and implement, you know, that aren't, you know, million dollar, uh, you know, research type things. But some of the things that, that stick out for you as, as starting to change health care for athletes.
1: Yeah, um, you know, like you said, I said, we're lucky. I think to have a lot of a lot of resources, and we we do have some of those kind of modern technologies, and uh, you know, people because of our position right now and, and being a successful organization the last few years, like you you got people coming to you, you sure. know. If it- Try out these things, and hey, look at this. And sometimes that can be a lot because you have to vet that stuff and um, really figure out what is what is actually practical, you, you know. And I, I really, you know, I shy away, and it's kind of because we're having these discussions now in the off season. That that's kind of the time to kind of evaluate your program a little bit from our side. And right. how, how do we look at guys? How are we evaluating them from an injury risk standpoint? Uh, what are better ways to kind of maybe predict things uh, during the course of the season? But you know, when you have certain tech companies and, and, and certain platforms that that sit there and, and hang their hat on injury predictors it's at this level i mean again like as you know in basketball you, you can't predict somebody landing on somebody's foot you know sure, from a rebound sure, from their sure, sure. Um, you know there there are things that you can forecast um, you know but i always shy away from the absolutes uh, you know and it's almost the way I kind of weed through things you know when I'm, when I'm talking to vendors or you're talking to companies you know if you if you work in absolutes you're gonna you're probably gonna turn me off you, right. you know be, you, you kind of know the truth with things that you um, you're not going to be able to predict everything so if you come at me from the standpoint of, of you know understanding that that injury is, is multifactorial and um, you come at me from the, uh, a different um, you know, space to where you know you can help. Uh, you know, a staff in, in kind of figuring out the best ways to to evaluate guys. Then I'll, I'll listen. But if you come in and and really, you know, say you've got the injury predictor, <laughs> you know, you've got the if you've got the golden fleece, so to speak, right. I'm, I'm probably gonna uh, probably not gonna believe you, right. and you're probably just trying to sell me something. Right. Um, so you're, you're trying to weed through what's what's right for guys and and what guys you know will, will actually. Want to do and 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 listen for, and because you you do need to you can bring something in and, and spend thousands of dollars on the technology, but if you know if our guys look at us and say I ain't getting on that thing,
0: right, right.
1: or if, if you know this this doesn't make any sense to what I do on the basketball floor, um, you know they're they're going to be turned off by it and it's not going to be as as helpful. And then you've got a, an expensive you know dust collector that you're not, <laughs> you know, and that's a you know and that's a problem because then we need to justify it to ownership sure. why we're spending their money, you know. Sure. So I mean. It's, it's um you know we're we're lucky enough with with our ownership group that that you know they they really do leave you know no stone unturned when we're trying to help help the guys uh, on the medical side and on the, and on the performance side mm-hmm. so We've got a couple force plates in here that you're able to kind of look at how guys, you know, apply force through the ground and, and in their jump techniques, and um, some really good companies that kind of analyze that stuff and that information for us, and then we can have, you know, greater discussions as to, you know, what that puts somebody at, at, at risk for potentially and in, in ways of which to correct it. So, um, specific
0: to that force plate, like how often will they, with your athlete, get on there? You, you put them on that, it's on the ground, they jump a couple times, and then right. the measurements come back. They do that at the beginning beginning of the season all throughout the season once a year how often do you do you do that to monitor where they are
1: yeah it's definitely a, you start off getting baseline numbers you know so when guys come back in september you know we're looking to do you know our battery of tests you know our uh, our um you know potpourri so to speak our our, our mix and, and match of, of testing and 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 get baseline numbers on everybody with where they're at mm-hmm. uh, you know from there you it's It's about our schedule. You know, if if you kind of take a look at the schedule you want to figure out, you know, certain points. I could tell you the perfect time to test them, but you know, again, if we've just played, you know, four games in five nights, sure. you, you know, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna, you know, test at that point. But you're gonna, you know, every few months at a middle point in the season. You know, uh, again, if everybody is healthy and you're just kind of doing this to check baseline and, and where they're at, you know, I mean, you're, you may be trying to do it, you know, twice during the course of the season. You know, maybe a little bit before the halfway point, and maybe a little bit for us now before leading into the playoffs to be able to, to take a look at things, but. Um, you know we let's say we've got eight different things that we that we look at and, and test for uh, you know maybe we're not doing all eight things you know maybe we're we're finding what we really like and testing that throughout the season something very simple that we do that I think a lot of teams do is, is range of motion testing you know you're, you're taking a look at to see you know, for a basketball player, you know, where are the tight spots? You know, where guy where guys going to be restricted? You know, this is, you know, these aren't necessarily crossover athletes, right? They're, they're playing basketball 24-7. They've played basketball for years and years. Um, you know, you've got a 30-plus old NBA professional basketball player, and, you know, you almost know where to expect these restrictions to be in the muscle and in the joints. Uh, and, you know, there are acceptable ranges of what you want, that freedom of motion. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're stuck somewhere, then, then where is that force going to get applied to, you know? kind of go to the next joint, right. uh, and, and then that's where you start seeing maybe, you know, some, some knee problems. You know, I mean, everybody thinks, you know, your, your knee issues, your knee issues, the problems don't come at the knee. The problem usually comes elsewhere. You know, it comes from maybe a restriction at the ankle right. uh, or a restriction at the at the hip, uh, and then, of course, the force just gets applied right to the knee, and then you've got your patellar tendinitis, or you have your um, you know, unfortunately, maybe you have something more serious as your ACL injuries or, um, you know, other chronic wear and tear of the knee because of restrictions that you see elsewhere, all the way down to the big toe. You know, I mean, an NBA player's big toe is is probably, you know, it's not too flexible. <laughs> right. uh, you know, they're they're stiff, and and then that goes to the ankle. That's stiff, and and usually that that force gets transmitted up to the knee to have you know some type of of, of chronic. Uh, Uh, you know, issues there. Uh, So, you know, just simple range of motion testing and figuring out what that freedom of motion is at those joints is is important that we do, you know, multiple times a year. Um, You know, especially as guys, you know, they'll say, hey, my my hip's a a little off or it's bothering me or, you know I can feel my calf a little bit tight and you take a look at uh, you know throughout the year what what those ranges are at the at the at the joints and you know that'll, that'll tell you a lot and then you're working on obviously a lot of soft tissue injuries and a lot of just soft tissue restrictions you know and, and those trigger points that these guys get in the lower extremity um, so those are those are I think easy things to do with any program uh, you know that has oversight with an athletic trainer or medical staff to be able to do and um you've got good norms out there you know that kind of be able to help figure out where where a guy lays with with maybe forecasting something that may become a problem you know
0: before it's a problem yeah it's fascinating stuff Um, How how involved are you? And again, I I understand if it's a trade secret, if you can't talk about it. But uh, in the media, obviously, a huge issue these days is is these professional players specific to basketball resting uh, and not playing when obviously it is an entertainment industry and, you know, owners are, are. getting money based on fans going to see you know, the best players and those chances that they're not playing. Um, my guess is there's an exact science behind what, what you guys are doing and you're monitoring that very closely, that it's not just uh, randomly. Um, that's not something that you had yeah. at, at Temple or probably not right. even when you first got to the NBA. Um, right. h- how has that developed um, and, and how is it implemented?
1: Yeah, so I think if you were to ask the different teams within the league, they probably treat it a little bit differently too. Everybody's maybe got their secret recipe with what it is that they they try and look at. But right. um, in the in the world of technology, the the good thing within the NBA, there are there are camera systems within all all the NBA arenas, and uh, the camera systems track the players throughout the course of the game, and and they'll give us a a, a bunch of analytical information, and they'll not just from a medical side, but from a from a, from a coaching side sure. or, or management side too. Again, like. Uh, you'll be able to figure out who the closest defender to you know, to, to on-ball is, you know, in, in the course of a game. You know, who's your closest on-ball defender? And, and they can, you know, wrap up the average distance, you know, that this guy defends a guy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and, and obviously, the, the, you know, how you defend the pick and roll. All those different analytical basketball-related analytical stats are, are there with this camera system, which is great for them. For us, it actually, it, it tracks a, a, a load and, and gives a, a, a physiological and a mechanical load number to guys. Basically, the, the stop, start, um, uh, you know, acceleration, deceleration, the, the, the lateral movement, and, they, and they're able to basically give you uh, a workload number for a player based on, obviously, minutes played and based on the amount of movement and speed with which a guy moves on the, in, the, in the game. Uh, and obviously that's, I think, the, the sports science component that the, that the league I- endorses and, and wants. And obviously all medical staffs endorse and want, too, but uh, I think how you read that information is a slippery slope, too, mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it's, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, it's what do you do with that information? You know, that, now you have it. Uh, you know, you can, again, everything should be individualized for the players. You know, we've got, you know, player A who can has a work capacity that's through the roof, you know, and, and he, can, he can run all day jump all day he's a high motor guy you know it, it doesn't matter what his what his mechanical load is you know or his physiologic load It, it, it it's you know he's he's a he's an iron man um, and you know and again his numbers on somebody else uh, is a problem right, you know right. because they can't handle that that right. work capacity and right. you'll start to see you know soft tissue injury so everything has to be looked at uh, you know again we have got 15 guys right and, and everybody has to be looked at individually with that with that work capacity and figuring out, you know, hey, is it, is it too much? You know, and it has to correlate, I think, to other things. You know, you just take a look at a number, it's not going to tell you a lot. Um, you know, but you take that number of a workload and, and now you, know, you come to the training room and, and you know, yeah we are we are treating this guy for a sore hamstring you know he's got some you know restrictions here in his in his in his calf or um, you know in his quads he's getting a little bit of patellar tendonitis, and then you can go back to the game data and say, well, these last six games he's minute and a lot of it is on minutes right sure. I mean the more minutes you play the bigger the larger the load is going to be on the player yeah. but um, you know I think one of the other Interesting stats that we look at is is is, uh, is what's called mechanical intensity, and it's basically the, the work the workload that you have divided per per minutes played, and you know again just think of the intensity with which somebody plays. If you can play at a higher intensity for a longer period of time, that's 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 pretty good. Uh, but you know if you reach a 25, you know if your threshold is, is 25 minutes, and after that 25 minutes, your intensity, you know your work per minute goes down mm. by a certain percentage then mm-hmm. you can maybe forecast you know yeah he kind of does you know he's not having the greatest of fourth quarters you know right. over the last 10 games or you know so those are things that everybody has to look at holistically but it's uh, across the disciplines too it's across my my discipline it's across the coaching discipline sure. management to have those conversations to to be able to take a look is is this guy needing a, a day of rest yeah. um, based on on everything that we that we're doing now you know, proactively we want to do rest as well. And I think that's no secret with, you know, obviously San Antonio's model. They don't mind doing it. Uh, we don't mind doing it. And, and it's it's knowing what your roster is, right? I mean, we're, we're a team that, you know, we were the oldest team I think in the league last year, average age. And, um, you know, and, and it's just knowing that guys have miles on them. Uh, you're And it's an 82-game grind. You, you know, we're, we're playing to be healthy in April. And, um, you know, the NBA schedule does, you know, doesn't do a lot of teams' favors. We always kind of joke about it when we talk with other staff. It's, you know, when's your when's your stretch? You know, everybody <laughs> wears it in the face right. at a third point. You know, right. you're going from, from, they got you going from Toronto on a back-to-back out to L.A. where you're on the West Coast for, you know, X number of days. And then, you know, I think we finished in, we had that situation last year we, we started somewhere in the middle of the country, went to our west coast swing, and then before going home, we actually had to go to Charlotte and, and play a game in Charlotte before coming back to Cleveland on a back to back before going back out for another six days. you know i mean it, so this the schedule is everybody's problem and it's just you're trying with with uh, the way it's made up everybody has has their issues with it, but it, it is what it is, so you have to analyze the schedule too and realize look i mean it, it just has to you know, for for LeBron James, you know, I mean, he, he he's going to need a day, and proactively we want to we want to give him a day. Sure. And you know, obviously there is a business side to it that is a um, that's sensitive, and you know, you, you understand it. But uh, you know, medically for me, you know, I, I try not to get into those decisions and just want to speak to what I, I know. Uh, happy to be a part of a greater conversation, but. At the same point, you know, just depending upon what a guy 's getting treated for, you know maybe potentially what these what these load numbers show during the course of games we 'll also track stuff' during practice as well uh, if we need to
0: right.
1: um, you know we have that capability to do the same kind of uh, of system you know in practice and be able to capture that information and you know the more information that you have, the better decision that you can make and, and for rest in the NBA, I think it is a new norm i, I don 't think it 's I don't think it's ultimately changing. We'll, we'll see how the league, you know, makes their recommendations and everything, and that's and that's okay, and um, you know, you, you understand everything. But for a guy that's, you know, nicked up, and, and you know, you're you wanting to make sure that something doesn't become a greater problem, because what it is that we hope to be playing for, you know, rest is rest is integral, and um, it, it's it's needed. And sometimes the schedule is, is is brutal with flight travel and getting in late at night, and and for us, and we land in Cleveland in January. At two a m uh it's not warm <laughs> you know it's not you know we the plane's usually you know blowing the snow away for us you know with the engines and 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 we're shoveling on our cars and you know that's a, and the weather in Cleveland's a aware on you too right i mean it's uh you know you don't see the sun, you don't get that warm weather and uh you know fatigue. You know, the word that everybody likes to use is, is fatigue is cumulative. Um, you know, fatigue doesn't happen, um, you know, usually with one event. It's right. multiple events, and, and, and it builds up over time. And uh, at some point, you know, there's a breaking point, and, and, and hopefully we're, we're doing our job to, to make sure we don't get to, get to that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting for me to hear your side uh, of the house talk about um, you know for me the analytics of the game are they're significant and you'd be foolish not to ever look at them at all um, but it also it, it, you're saying the same thing that there are certain symptoms we're, we're not just going by the numbers there's there's a, a lot of other things that are involved in these in these decisions and you know my view from a coaching perspective is is just the same thing there's there's certainly an eye test and a and a yep. coach coaching aspect Aspect to influences everything uh, Steve I, I do want to uh, take you away from your job right now something that that we evaluate um, you know just times have changed in that you know you, you mentioned crossover athletes. Um, you know, it used to be when when 20 years ago, even not that long ago, you know, you ran cross country, you played basketball, you did a lot of sports. I'm finding yep. that with kids that we recruit in today's day and age at such an early uh, at, a, at a much younger age, they're becoming sports specific um, yep. as somebody as an athletic trainer who, you know, studies basketball players. But but all walks of athletic training. Um, do you think that correlates to specific sport in are, are we seeing at a younger age, um, you know, less range of motion because guys are locked into, guys and gals really are locked into yep. one sport because of the business aspect, whether it's a scholarship or an endorsement deal or, a, you sure. know, a, a potentially billion dollar career? Uh, do you find that that's accurate?
1: Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, if, if there's a you know, a recommendation I make to to anybody, you know, with with young kids, is you get them to play as much as as many sports as you can. And and I know it's, um, uh, uh, if you have a kid playing at a high level, you know, everything is so competitive nowadays. But in, in speaking to basketball, what do you have? You have high school season. You have AAU season. You have, you know, potentially somebody that plays at a high level. You have, you know, USA under yes. 17s or right. under 19s. Right. And, and obviously, then you have the, you know you roll right into to college and there is no off season so on on top of you know being able to um, you know play different sports, have the body undergo various stresses uh, you know in different capacities, that's important, but there's no rest time for kids in adolescence right now, and, and that's a shame. And there, there needs to be something that I think that, you know, uh, addresses that. And, and you know, a uh, dead period, maybe, so you speak, or, or, or whatever it is. But, you know, I mean, a, uh, an adolescent, uh, a, a scotally immature, um, you know, individual that's growing, um, you know, to apply the same stresses as it relates to basketball, uh, you know, will have damaging effects, and you know we see that a lot of times at combine. You know, for you know, when we go out to Chicago for pre-draft, and, and where all these college kids will, will obviously come out, and international players will come out, and um, you know, they're they're on their. You know, medical for, for, for all their NBA teams, and they perform, right, and it's on NBA TV and yeah. ESPN and everything, yeah. right, and they go through the combine process and they play. And, and you know, some guys choose not to play, but uh, a lot of guys will, will, will go through basketball through the workouts. But from the medical side, you know, we're, we're doing the whole NBA physical. We're doing imaging. We're doing X-rays, MRIs. We're, we're getting medical history on guys. And, you know, again, a lot of these one-and-done players, you, you know, that are coming out at still 18, 19 years old, uh, who are not done growing? Who are not done developing? You know, you see, yeah, I had a, I had a, you know, what's called a Jones fracture, right? And, and again, I think Kevin Durant probably made this, you know, really open when, when he had his when he played with Oklahoma City, uh, you know, which is a fracture of the uh, of the fifth metatarsal, base a stress reaction, stress fracture of the uh, base of the fifth metatarsal, and um, you know, you, how many of these screws, you know, within feet that you see right. these repetitive stress-related injuries because, you know, when's the time off? When's the recovery time for the body to uh, adapt to all of those stresses that you've placed on it? And, um, you know, shoe wear is another, uh, I think, component to it. Uh, that, that's, a, that's an issue. And, um, you know, basketball shoes there are some that aren't very forgiving, obviously because of the way the game needs to be played, right? right. Uh, but then now you're starting to see almost minimalist uh, shoe wear. Right. You know, the super low, low top, very flimsy, Lightweight, uh, you know, basketball shoes, and those, from a standpoint, scare us when our guys get in those because, you know, do you have, do you have, you know, that shoe? If you can fold it up and put it in your pocket, what's that doing when your foot hits the line? You know, right. when you get a plant and push off, you know, that the stress that then your foot is undertaking, uh, you know, that, that the shoe is now no longer doing for you. Um, so, I mean, obviously, a lot of things are aesthetic driven and, and and versus function, but um, you know, and now, of course, you've got young adolescents wearing those shoes because that's what that's what's out there and that's what they that's what they want to wear and rightfully so I guess because it's what looks good and, and, and maybe feels good but is it the best thing that they should be wearing and you know but the biggest thing I think for these stress related injuries that you see hardware that you're seeing in in these you know 17 18 19 year old uh you know basketball players you know screws in your feet screws in your tibia um you know i mean it's all from not not all right but i mean a lot of it is from because there's the same stress being applied to the body over and over and over Mm -hmm. again without without any kind of downtime um to recover from that and uh and and i think that where you're seeing a lot of
0: these issues? Yeah, it's a, it's really interesting to me, and I, I think it's for serious conversation. Uh, I, I would like to take a turn for a little bit more lighthearted. Um, I, I've kind of joked with you privately um, mm. that you know you're you're on national TV all the time, right? Your seat seems to be just uh, the barrier yeah. the barrier between maybe that that guy who's paying a ton of money for the courtside right. seat on the the right. other side. I want to know what your sweater deal is. Like you, you got you. have got got a. Is there a a clothier in Cleveland there that is paying you big bucks to wear different color sweaters, or is that your wife Abby picking the outfit out (laughs) every day, or what?
1: I'm free. I'm free game. I'm I'm free for uh, you know, open for any deal. Anybody's (laughs) if anybody's interested. No, it's um, you know, it's a look that uh, you know, actually, one of my. One of my good friends within the league is a head athletic trainer for the Orlando Magic, uh, Keon uh, Weiss, he, he actually went to school with, at Temple with him. Um, and uh, and he's, he's the head guy down in Orlando. And, and I remember even before following before I got in the NBA, he'd have his sweater on. And When I first got in the league, I mean, I, as an assistant, you don't wear that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, my first kind of roll around as the head guy, I, I did a blazer. And, and you know, and I had to convince our GM that I didn't want to wear a tie. And yeah, you say you gotta wear a tie. You gotta mm-hmm. wear a blazer and a tie. like I I I it's just difficult to do the job. Yeah, you gotta be functional,
0: right?
1: Yeah, you gotta be functional. You gotta be functional and that's uh you know, once the first year kind of came and went, I said, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with what my guy Keon, with my Keon does, and and there are other you know athletic trainers in the league who I think have adopted that as well recently too with the with the sweater look, uh, you know. But it, it keeps the tie out of the way. I can fit the tie requirement if there is one, <laughs> uh, and and or or you know a Sunday maybe casual day game, you don't wear a tie, you, know, you, get a little, you go a little you go a little out of the way. But um, but it's it, it's kind of cool because it's you know you, you talk about it with me, but it ain't, you know it's not the only time people you know. We'll, we'll, we'll get on me about it, and uh, you know, one of our assistant coaches, Jim Boylan, always is you know makes a, and he's a lifer in the league and a great guy, and and, and he'll he'll you know come out of the office right before the game and wonder what I got, you know, <laughs> the, you know, you're going canary yellow, you know, where's the canary yellow one, where's the salmon, you know, where's the salmon one, and uh, we had a we had a national, I think it was this past year or the year before, we had a national TV game. Uh, against the against the Clippers and it was a weekend game, ABC game, uh, whatever. And so I, I said, and I knew the the guy down in, in, with the Clippers, Jason. He he's another sweater guy. Uh, you know, we we. we uh you know, we're starting to run the, run the rule, I think, a little bit. But uh, So I come out in, in my salmon my salmon sweater <laughs> thinking, thinking like, that's probably safe. You know, we won't wear the same color. Yeah. And I looked down at the other end, you know, right before the national anthem, and, and he's got the same color sweater on. And I said, oh, man, this is not going to be good. And everybody starts, <laughs> you know, the players all start teasing us and looking at each other like, oh, you guys coordinated, you planned it or whatever. And, I just, you know, I shook my head, and I told him after the game or, or right before the game, I said, look, man, you're on a road trip. I know you got your suitcase here. I go go back and put another color on. <laughs> I mean, we can't be wearing, you know, if we were in blue, that'd be one thing. But we're wearing a sam, we're both wearing a salmon-colored sweater or a pink-colored sweater. We gotta, we gotta do something
0: about this. That's but it's, hysterical. Yeah, That's I mean, hysterical.
1: It's, it's cool. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, you know me. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty lighthearted guy with it all, and and I'll roll with the punches and 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 don't mind. Uh, you know, being a a, a a little bit of a joke for people if it, if it lightens the room and and you know you have that, so I, I take it and stride, But uh, you know, there have been a couple instances where guys look at me and tell me, yeah, "Never, don't wear that again." Or, "Hey, I like that." You know, <laughs> and it'll usually be the same the same outfit. You know, "Hey, I like that sweater." And the next guy will come and say, "Hey, don't you shouldn't be wearing that color." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? terrific. But, but it's, it's it's funny, and I don't I don't mind it at all. And it makes you, like you say, it's functional and. Uh it allows you to do your job. I didn't
0: stuff. realize there were other sweater guys in the league. I'd have to no, do a better guys. job of checking it out. I, I figured yeah, I thought yeah. you were like one of the only that you should have a national endorsement on. Uh, Although with my mind, business mind thinking here, Steve, you with yeah. the with the endorsements coming on the uniforms, you, you should think about like maybe you would be open for a patch on the shoulder or patch on the shoulder, yeah. yeah. I mean
1: well now that uh you know, I mean Nike's the, gonna be the official apparel right. uh, right. you know, provider of the league. I mean I know they have a nice golf. Line, uh, I, I might need to talk to our <laughs> talk to our nike uh nike guys about you know maybe hey put a couple of the you know you want the swoosh there on the on, on the front i got no i got no problem i'm up for uh you know i'm up for an endorsement deal
0: sounds good uh yeah. to to get a little bit more serious again at you in in your time in cleveland and and you didn't go there for this reason he wasn't there at the time right you guys weren't in the hunt for a championship so to speak um, but in the last couple of years, you have won. You have been knocking on the door. Uh, you have had a chance to work with and side by side one of, if not the greatest to ever play the game. Um, for anybody listening out there, you know, in, in your time in and in, in the personal relationship, in the professional relationship, uh, what is it that makes him? Obviously, he's he's a, a gifted athlete and a gifted basketball player. Uh, but in your time and your experience, what makes LeBron James so special? Uh,
1: he's he's a special individual, you know, front to back. Um, the way he he carries himself on a, on a day in and day out basis is just a, a complete professional and to have a have a seat at the table with him, you know, and be able to watch him kind of do his craft and do his job uh, and how seriously he takes it, you know, again, I, I feel, um, you know, obviously a very high level of responsibility to appreciate that and to, to make sure that guy has whatever it is that he needs to perform. And, um, you know, he obviously is, is – you know, not short on, uh, on accolades and, 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 um, you know, achievements on the court. So seeing that firsthand and, and, you know, it's, it, it's often that we say, even during the course of year, you, you shake your head and it's like, did he just do that, you right. know, and or how did he do that? And, and, you know, and he's, he's a guy who just, it, you know, the credit obviously goes to him to how well he, he trains and how much he takes care of himself and, and the importance of, of, of where that is in his life. Uh, he takes nothing for granted, you know, and and he's he's uh, you know the epitome of a of a professional, and to come in and do his job, and uh, you know, do the work, and not just to lead by example, but obviously vocally will will lead as, as well, you know, because he he demands um, you know that excellence of his teammates, and um, you know, to to be able to watch that and, and be a part of that, and, and and demand it from us too, and everybody within the organization. Uh, you know, you get a chance to, to do something special. We were able to do it, you know, two seasons ago, which is, you know, it was an amazing, amazing uh, thing to be a part of and, and to have a hand in. Uh, you know, and again, it, it's it's you know, you get there for three straight years, and just that by itself is great. And for him, he's done it for you know seven straight seasons. This guy has been in the finals, and uh, and then on top of that, playing you know USAB when he's when he has over that course of time and. Um, you know staying as healthy as he has uh, it's a, it's a it's a treat to watch and and is again I understand that it's not something everybody gets to do and has an opportunity to do and, and opportunity to know him and uh and watch him do his thing it's 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 special it, it, it really is and um you know he's uh he's a guy who you enjoy you know you enjoy being around uh you know within within the profession the settings uh you know you can you can laugh and and joke with him you can you can um you know engage him on a on a wide variety of topics and it, and it's and it's awesome you know much like uh, you know the training room and as you know is kind of like that uh that little bubble where, you know, where you can talk about a lot of different things and, you know, whether it be in the sports world or entertainment world or whatever, you know, where conversation just kind of happens, you know, organically. You know, and I and I like, you know, sometimes being a guy to start that conversation too, you know, about something and, you know, just seeing where guys' opinions are on things and, you know, about things other than basketball. And, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of times, you know, I don't want to talk basketball with them because I don't, I don't claim, or, or we even want to know as much as he knows, you know, how locked in. But it's it's other things to be able to get to know you and, and how you feel about things, you know, elsewhere um, is kind of an enjoyment, you know, whether it be from pro wrestling to, uh, you know, uh, you know, just what's going on in the world is 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 a fun thing to to be able to you know be able to do. And uh, you know, he knows I'm a big baseball guy, so he'll. You know he'll knock he'll knock baseball a little bit. I'll go back at him and and you know and that's a lot of us. You know I mean we, we just kind of have those conversations and uh, you know it's it, it's a lot of fun. Him being a Cowboys fan, you know I mean I'll I'll send him a bunch of if I find a funny meme on the internet, you know about a cowboy being a Cowboys fan, you know I'll, I'll screenshot it and <laughs> send it to him, him and Jr. You know knowing they're big they're big Cowboys guys and you know have a laugh or whatever. It, I mean that that kind of stuff is just special, you know and. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of fun to be around. But he's, he's the, the epitome of a pro, and um, you, you know, he's, he's someone I've enjoyed being around for the last few years.
0: That's awesome stuff. I'm, uh, I'm happy you shed light on that. Uh, the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people that watch it, you know, on the television, um, understand the entertainment value, and they appreciate the. Uh, you know, the special plays, but the, the fact that, you know, your team, your organization are, are just real people um, who, who love something and are passionate about it and, and love one another and work together and to try and and find a common goal. I think that's what makes sports special, whether it's, you know, our high school teams or, you know, like you said, minor league baseball or obviously under the brightest spotlight, under the biggest microscope, uh, where you are now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Steve, I I can't thank you enough. An hour has flown by. uh, Yeah. Taking the time from your busy schedule. I hope you and uh, Abby and your girls get away for a little bit before another season rolls around and, and we'll certainly be rooting for you hard. Um, over the course of the next season.
1: Awesome. Same to you, Coach. appreciate Appreciate the time, and uh, it was was definitely fun for me to do. And, and good luck. Same thing with as your season comes up, and and hope you enjoy. You know, much continued success there.
0: All right. Thanks, Steve. Take care. All right, Coach. Take care, buddy. See, see
1: ya. Bye. Bye.